Welcome to a Thursday edition of Locked on Heat. On today's show, the Heat get off the schneid, breaking their three-game losing streak with a 120-107 to win in Brooklyn. Are the Heat back on track? Can Tyler Johnson keep thriving? We'll talk about everything that went right and maybe some things that went wrong. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. The Heat broke their three-game losing streak with a win in Brooklyn. Now, the Nets were shorthanded. They were without Karis LeVert or center Jared Allen, and Miami rolled with very little resistance, scoring a season-high 70 points in the paint and leading from start to finish. David, how much of this was Miami getting back on track, and how much of this was just that the Nets were beat up and still adjusting to Levert's tough injury? If I had to give it a number, I'd say it's a 30-70. I'd say 30% of that was Miami trying to figure out some way of pulling out a victory against a diminished Nets team, and 70% of it would be the fact that you know Brooklyn didn't really have much of a form of resistance, as you hinted at before, that without Levert, without Allen there, perhaps two of their top five best players, that's kind of hard for a Nets team that's still looking for an identity, let's be honest. It's not like they're a very good powerhouse type team, but at the same time, those guys do contribute on a regular basis. Levert in particular was is perhaps Brooklyn's best player, and without him in the lineup, it showed they, that they were really struggling to find any kind of offense. He's a big part of what they do defensively as well, and I think 70 points in the paint well, you can't say it would necessarily have been cut off by Allen's insertion in the lineup. He probably would have done a, a good job of, of limiting some of those points in the paint. So uh, I think it's a big part of that uh, as far as Miami being able to pull out a victory. It's still a win, but at the same time, I can't say that uh, that they were very impressive in winning. You know, I weirdly enough, I thought that they missed... You're right, Karis LeVert is by far Brooklyn's best player. I thought they missed Jared Allen more than they even missed Karis LeVert just in this game because you look at you know, a, the guys that the Heat brought to the table. They went three deep on center despite all three of their centers picking up three fouls in the first half. Ridiculous. They were just they were still able to just roll the, the guys out there. They had Whiteside, then they went with Bam, then they went with Kelly Olenek, and they were just able to kind of rotate those three guys through and manage the foul trouble that they were in that way. And Donis Haslam getting minutes too. Yeah, UD got ha- got some minutes. Scored his first points of the season. Um, but but Brooklyn, they they really only have Jared Allen on the roster as far as traditional centers go. They started Ed Davis yeah. in, in Allen's place. Um, Allen was just under the weather, I guess. He was just I don't know flu season. But they started Ed Davin Ed Davis in his place, who's a good player, but he's more of that kind of four or five tweener type. It would be like if you know the Heat were to start James Johnson at center, it would be kind of similar. Um, and so I think that there was just a size uh, mismatch that Miami just exploited. I thought they did a good job of taking what the defense gave them tonight overall, and and it showed. I mean, 70 points in the paint. They only did that three times all of last season. It was the first time they've done it this season, and uh, and it came from everybody. Whiteside had 14, Olenek had 8, Bam had 12, um, and a, a bunch of guys were just getting to the rim. Yeah, Brooklyn didn't really seem to have much of a response. I don't know that they have much... They offer much rim protection on a regular basis mm-hmm. anyway, but every time that there was a pick-and-roll situation when either Whiteside or Adebayo in particular would die to the rim, 
there was hardly anybody there to offer any resistance. And, uh, you know, they had Jared Dudley at some points playing the five. He was mostly just about kind of trying to go for a steal. And, and he was an instrumental part of, of Brooklyn making a comeback later in the game. But at the same time, you know, he's undersized. He's older. He's not necessarily going to be able to match up with a guy like Adebayo and his level of athleticism. They just they didn't really have any kind of a, a response there. It was it was you know weird to see, but at the same time, you know, again, it's a victory. Um, I don't know. It's kind of lackluster, and I'm, I'm not really <laughs> sure that I can give Miami a whole heck of a lot of credit for beating a Brooklyn team. Although you and I both predicted that this would be a loss going up to Brooklyn has been yeah. historically tif- difficult for Miami at least over the last few seasons. So we did uh, we did make <laughs> we made those predictions before the the Levert injury, which just sucks. But uh, and Josh Richardson had a lot of good things. Like Richardson and Levert out of the Eastern Conference, probably at, you know two guys that are in that conversation for most improved player this season. And Josh Richardson talked about that before the game, how it was like a big blow, you know, because he kind of gets where Levert's coming from. You know, Levert was taken, I think, 20th um, yeah. in the draft, and, and Richardson was a second-round pick. But I think there's still a similar vibe from not being in the lottery to being in the second round. And I think Richardson kind of empathizes a, a lot with Levert. Just some stats here that are pretty, you know, eye-opening. Not only was this the first game this season that Miami shot better than 50% from the field, wow. 82.1% at the rim. That is an incredible stat. And yeah, you give a lot of, you know, a lot of blame to Brooklyn for basically just not having a rim protection presence, but the it, the, the heat have struggled to make shot easy bunnies at the rim all season long. That was not the case uh tonight. They they yeah, Dragic in particular as a guard, he, he seemed like he was finishing at the rim at a pretty high level. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And uh 53.6% on their mid-range shots, which is not going to happen all the time. Um, that would be among one of the that would be among the top uh, rates in the NBA. That'd be like if everybody on your team was Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, why, why is why is Spencer Dinwiddie on the bench? I mean, maybe you've seen more Brooklyn than I have. I, I'm not quite sure why. Even with Levert's injury, why is Dinwiddie coming off the bench? He seems like he's their best offensive player, right? And uh, and at his size, it's six six. He can switch so many positions. He, he seemed like he did a decent enough job. I honestly don't know. I we gotta check out Locked On Nets, I guess, because I haven't watched a whole lot of Brooklyn this year. But yeah. uh, from what I understand, from just I've read a couple things, and I think they kind of ride the hot hand at point guard. And I guess they thought D'Angelo Russell was the hot hand. What was Russell's stats tonight? Six of eighteen from the points, field. Yeah. yeah, twelve points. What was Dinwiddie? Uh, eighteen. Six of twelve, also, but twelve points. Five of seven on the, at the line. One of five from three point range, which is surprising, but also had five assists. Which they basically they basically had an identical night for the for the most part, almost. Yeah, yeah that was that's pretty nuts. Um, one other thing I thought uh, stood out to me was just the ball movement. Um, you know, I think Eric Reed did a, a nice job the entire game talking about how they were attacking the mismatches in the paint, but I thought also that that created a lot of opportunities out on the perimeter. Now they only shot. 8 of 29 from three-point range. I mean, I don't know how you shoot 54% from the field while you only shoot 27.6% from three-point range. I guess because you're shooting almost 81% from, from at the rim. Um, but uh, they did a nice job in just using that that lack of rim protection also against Brooklyn, not only at finishing at the rim, but by, by you know drawing double teams and triple teams in the paint and then kicking out. And then that Tyler Johnson three-pointer that basically iced the game for the Heat at the end there came off of a Josh Richardson uh, drive and kick, which I thought, um, you know, that was that was really, you know, when you have 46 field goals made and 23 of them are assisted, that 50% is a really good ratio. So I thought the ball movement was really, if you're trying to, 
you know, find a reason why Miami might be back on track, it's that the ball movement was there for them. Again, very little resistance overall from that de- from the Nets defense, but at least they were moving the ball when they didn't really have to. They could have just kept dumping it into the paint. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, it's it's kind of I, I'm, I'll, I'll be a little bit more patient and wait and see how it turns out next time. I've heard you happier after at, at the end of losses after losses as opposed. But I understand you're you're being cautious. You don't want to get your yes. hopes up. That and I've I've slept very little over the last week for some reason. <laughs> we'll get to the specifics and what went right and what went wrong when we come back from this break. We'll get to your Twitter questions later on, but first it's time for what went right. And what went wrong? David, what went right for the Heat tonight? I guess it would have to be Tyler Johnson. I mean, that was an impressive night from him. 24 points, 9-12 shooting, 2-5 from 3-point range, 4-4 at the line. Topped it off with 5 assists, too, uh, to go with 2 blocks. I didn't even catch those, but those must have been pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's a pretty nice stat line for a guy who's been uh, much maligned over the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure that he's bouncing back just yet. I know that was something that we were probably going to be discussing at some point during the podcast, but I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's more indicative of the fact that he was going up against guys like Shabazz Napier and Dinwiddie coming off the bench, you know, uh, not necessarily known for their defensive prowess, both of those somewhat undersized and not capable of matching Johnson's athleticism. So despite they ha- the fact that they had guys like, you know, DeMar Carroll, offering some resistance and Dudley perhaps to some extent, even though he was playing mostly in the front court. I, I think Tyler was just able to exploit those mismatches and capitalize on some good situations there and get some nice points. And did a good job of giving that that burst off the bench. I mean, the Miami starters opened up the game to a lead. The Heat never trailed in this game, but they, and they they opened it up with a lead, and then Tyler Johnson came in, and, and you know I think uh, Bam came in with him after Whiteside got into some early foul trouble. And that yeah. bench unit extended the lead and I thought he did a good job of that and that's when that's when Tyler Johnson's at his best you know you don't really Tyler Johnson coming in when the team is behind you start to see a little bit more of those issues in Tyler Johnson's game sprout up a little bit more but when he comes in and the Heat have even a, 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 a small lead or if they're even I think you could see him sort of you know put the put the foot on the gas pedal a little bit more and you yeah. see him play with a little bit more confidence and, and well, he should be oh go ahead no, no, 31 minutes for him. Yeah. Uh, I think also a big part of that is no Dwayne Wade in the lineup, and I'm sure he yes. would have eaten up a lot of those minutes, and Tyler wouldn't have had the opportunity to be as prolific as he was tonight. Uh, 9 of 12, 75% shooting. I mean, that's not going to happen maybe ever again this season for him. But um, <laughs> look, I mean, he's this is a guy who's scored in double digits the last four games. Now, granted, in the last three games before this Brooklyn Nets night, it took him 11 shots to get 12 points against Philly, 12 shots to nice. get 12 points against Washington, 12 shots to get 15 points against Indiana. So the efficiency hasn't been there, but the no. three-pointers are starting to fall, right? Two of five tonight, one of four against Philly, two of seven against Washington, three of six against Indiana. That's not bad. Um, that's a that's a pretty good – that's a right about where you, you want him to be. Um, trying to do the math on top of my head, probably around 35%, which is pretty good for him. Yeah. Um, you want it, But you want to see that keep getting better, especially as it gets more and more – catch and shoot opportunities um you know i think the longer wait is out it's kind of benefiting tyler johnson to your point and uh he should be confident right now and that's really that's really the crux of it that that's kind of what drives tyler johnson um speaking of what went right for me again it was that ball movement it was it was it was just the fact that they weren't that, that they were just taking what and i said this already but taking what the brooklyn's defense 
gave them. Having that that 50% assist to field goal ratio is enormous. And I think when you don't have a superstar on this roster, the ball movement has to be there. And way too often we see guys just try to take over the game. And I think a lot of that has kind of fallen on Josh Richardson because I think that expectation was there. And I think he's starting to settle into his role of, okay, I can just play the game and let the points come, let the let the opportunities come to me. Um, Whiteside had a little bit of an interesting game. He started off really strong. Obviously, the mismatch was there, but then like took a three-pointer from the corner for some reason after Ed Davis left him wide open in the first quarter. Uh, tried to do that thing where he's like, no, I can run the fast break. You know, that the one time every game that he does that, where he grabs the rebound, and he's like, nope, I'm not passing this, and takes it all the way down the court and then dribbles it off his foot. He did that once in the first quarter. Um, nice. But other than that, I thought everybody on this roster was basically like, you know what? The opportunity's here to pass it or to, into a better shot or take this great shot that I have right in front of me, and they just did it. And you just you like to see the kind of easy flow of the offense. Yeah, over half, uh, no, actually exactly half of their completed field goal uh, attempts, 46 made field goals, half of those yep. were assisted, so that's that's not bad. I mean, that's a pretty solid clip there, I think, to get 50% of your, your made field goals off assists, so it's nice to see that sharing the ball. I, I've got to contend, though, if... If that's what went right, I have to disagree that I think that Josh Richardson settling into his role might be a big part of what's going wrong, to be honest with you. like Having those kinds of nights feels like a, a sort of setback to me. He finished with 15 points on 5 of 13 shooting. Not terrible, but not great either. I think we need more out of Richardson. And I think You'd rather see him take uh, over. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, look... I, you know, now that the pressure of the Jer- the, the Jimmy Butler trade is over with, and and he's you know part of Miami's future for better or for worse, I feel like he has to make the most of that and kind of prove that he's worthy of that designation. That if in fact his name was pulled from any future trade talks because of how va- how valuable he's seen by the Heat front office, it's up to him to live up to that value or and and, and make sure that he's never not traded again. You know. I don't know. I, I like he led the team in assists with five. I thought that he was really kind of playing up the fact, and we'll get to this with our Twitter questions later on about like the attention he gets from the defense. Yeah. But I thought he was, you know, on a night where Tyler Johnson really needed this kind of night, and Goran Dragic was also really twenty-one points on eight to fifteen shooting. I thought Richardson was like, you know what, these guys are rolling. Let me just feed them. Not to mention the the, the constant mismatches that they had in the paint. I'm not that worried about it. All right. I mean, look, it's two of seven. I mean, if he hits one or two more of those three-point attempts, uh, this is a completely different conversation. But um, I I feel like there's been a couple of these type of nights there, and it's not what I'm hoping for out of Josh. Um, As far as what went wrong, the turnover thing is still there. 17 turnovers tonight led to 21 Brooklyn points. Um, You compare that to 15 turnovers for the Nets. I think there's two or three turnovers in a row there. Um, in the fourth quarter, and, and that's when Brooklyn cut, cut the lead to I think ten at some at one point, and and it's because single of the digits I think actually was, at one point didn't it? Maybe yeah, it might have been. Um, and turnovers were the reason that that was the case because the Heat went down there three times in a row and didn't even get a shot off. So um, they need to clean that part up. And you know maybe when you're passing the ball as much as they did tonight, getting the turnovers kind of happens. But not all the turnovers were off of like stolen passes. Again, just sort of. Dr- careless you know dribbling the ball out of bounds or um careless offensive fouls that lead to turnovers and stuff like that so um you'd like to see that get cleaned up maybe this is an oversimplification but do you see any of this heat team kind of playing down to the level of their competition like i feel like this brooklyn team 
although they're feisty, uh, you know, they, they can have some nice moments here and there without Levert, without Allen. This was not a very good team. And for Miami to struggle just to pull out a victory here. You thought they struggled, not huh? Encouraging. Because of that yeah. late comeback? I, they won by 13 points. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like they... I, look, I know that there was a big lead, but to relinquish that lead for Jared Dudley, at, what, at 50 years old, however old he is, <laughs> playing the center position and come out there and, and, and lead a, a 5-0 run single-handedly? Come on. I mean, I don't know. It's just... I wasn't overwhelmed by the positivity there. I, maybe I'm a little frustrated with this heat season, and uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if there's many positives to focus on. I was hopeful that the Richardson thing would would pan out a little bit better, and I, maybe I've had a lot of hopes hinged on acquiring Jimmy Butler. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, so I'm not sure what to look forward to. <laughs> um, you can look forward to our Twitter questions that we'll do nice. after this break. After every Heat game, we go to Twitter to answer your questions that you sent in using the hashtag AskLOHeat. This one comes from Mo Black, who asks, Is Josh, is, I'll just say the full names, is Josh Richardson starting to bend defenses? Tyler Johnson was wide open a lot. And I think, you know, Tyler, uh, or Josh Richardson had those five assists in the game. And I think uh, what Mo is getting at here is the fact that, um, Tyler Johnson had that wide-open three to ice the game. Josh Richardson drove into the paint, collapsed the defense, and kicked out in a, in a very smart play by Josh Richardson, much uh, to maybe you disagree. Maybe you think he should have just forced up a white side shot, like a hook shot for, in, in triple coverage. But he passed open to a wide-open Tyler Johnson for a three-pointer. He drilled it, game iced, walk away. Um, I do think that there was a little bit of this starting to happen, that maybe Josh Richardson... Look, I'm I'm gonna be the optimist on this podcast tonight, I guess. But it's I, I do feel like he is maybe starting to learn what kind of powers he has. Where at the start of the year he was just jacking up 27 shots a night, um, trying to get 27, 30 points a night, and now he's like, all right, the defense is collapsing. They're paying attention to me. That means somebody else is gonna be ha- have a better shot. Somebody else is gonna be open. Let me go find that person. And it showed tonight. He had five again, team high five assists. That's good for him. Sure. <laughs> Are you noticing that he's he's collapsing the de- like? Do you notice that the defenses are starting to pay more attention to him? No, I don't think so. I, I think some attention, like maybe in, in small increments. Yeah. But I, I I still don't think that people are around the league are going. You know what? We have to scout and plan accordingly on how to shut down Josh Richardson because I think these nights are still too inconsistent. That there's been a leap. That's fine. It's not necessarily so great and so consistent that other teams around the league are fearful of what Josh Richardson can do on a nightly basis. And I think this is more indicative, again, of just Brooklyn being Brooklyn and not being able to defend at a high level. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that the that opponents are scouting Josh Richardson saying double-team him every time he gets into the mid-range or a few. Like, it, it, once he's within 18 feet, you got to, you know, double-team him or something like that. Like, I, it's not to that point. Um but he is doing that thing that we we kind of needed from Dion Waiters last year, where you needed a second guy to drive and collapse the defense and kick out. Like That's Dion really has no point on this team anymore because Richardson's able to do all of that now. Like he is able to drive and kick. And no matter who you are, if you're Josh Richardson, if you're Tyler Johnson, if you're Spencer Dinwiddie, doesn't matter. If you drive and you're near the rim, the defense is going to collapse. And Josh Richardson is just getting better at that. And I think he is starting to. He's just got a, a more diverse plate offensively things that he can go to 
And if he's got a night where he just doesn't really feel like shooting a whole lot and he sees that there's an opportunity to get other guys involved, like tonight, I think he's doing it. And I, I just, you know, you hope that he gets to that all-star level at some point, and the Heat are certainly banking on that. And I just, it's good to see, I think, him be able to impact and affect the game in a way that's other other than just going out and scoring 27 points, you know? Yeah, sure. I get it. Um, maybe I, I need to rewatch it a little bit more closely and see if, if he's actually forcing the defense to collapse a little bit more. And, and well, no, you're right because he, he's not he's not drawing the double from the get go. Like that's he's drawing the, the he's just getting to the rim, and anybody that gets to the rim is is going to draw the defense in. That's just how that works. But you're right; he's not just always he's he's not bending defenses. I really want to go back to that word because. To bend a defense is very different. Like, Steph Curry bends the defense from wherever he's at, and that's an extreme example. But, like, Josh Richardson hasn't I don't, hasn't figured out exactly how to bend the defense and to, to put the defense in his hand and maneuver it to get to create an open shot. Like, very few players do that. Jimmy Butler can do it at, at times, but not even consistently. Um, and I, but I don't know if that's going to, I don't know if that's in Josh's future, but maybe it could be. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, you know, the, Jimmy Butler's in Philadelphia. They lost their first game tonight. So. <laughs> to the magic. <laughs> to Mo Bamba. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening and subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen. As always, you can reach us by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. <laughs>